Hello, Susan. Hello, Meg. How are you today? I am well. Excellent, excellent. And you? I'm very well. We've just finished recording, well, doing live, but also being recorded. Performing. Performing. <laughs> Our um, uh, lecture to uni-, to uni students at Wollongong, which is lovely to be able to um, get some weight-neutral content into degrees. But before we get into that sort of stuff, what's the best thing you've eaten this week, Susan? Oh, well, and let's just be clear, I almost told this to you earlier. <laughs> like, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Won't be the same. Save it for the podcast. Um, actually, our week has been a bit hectic and we had one of those very probably familiar to anyone who has, you know, more than one child and maybe also has work and is not maybe like the primary worker so all the other stuff falls to them as well. One of those moments yesterday where um, I had to be in two places at once so I had to pick up a child at five o'clock. My oldest child was working till quarter to six. My husband was at a doctor's appointment and then had to get the youngest child to oh, yes. <laughs> athletics training via, anyway, oh, nonsense, absolute nonsense. Anyway, so um, I had intended to grab barbecue chicken and rolls and coleslaw and just have that for dinner and that didn't happen. So I ended up, I bought one of those. You know how Aldi have those boneless marinating chickens in a bag yes right so I went to get the peri peri and I was like oh no that's probably a bit too spicy um so I picked up one and it was called spiced mango oh and that didn't really register I have to say (laughs) what I thought it was going to be but I decided I'd do I don't know I actually just really I don't think I knew so You're going to be right. I was really, let's, I'm going to blame perimenopause. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, so your chicken bake thing that you do with the split chicken on the rice. Oh, yeah. I decided I was doing a version of that. But okay. It has got bones. And it was, and I didn't have rice. I had, <laughs> <laughs> so we are get this thing with the rice, but I don't have rice. <laughs> I had basmati. No, I didn't have basmati. I had arborio. So I was like, oh, maybe I can make like this sort of like thing. a baked risotto, but the chicken cooks on top of it. Yeah. Anyway. And, and it worked. I, I tell you, so I got oven, an oven, like a Pyrex dish. I put like a big knob, big wadge of butter in there. I zapped it in the microwave so it would melt. And then, you know, the herbs in the tubes? Oh, yeah. Garlic, ginger, basil. And I had some of the little sort of semi-dried coriander in a little bag. So all of these convenience items, splodge, 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 shake, 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 tossed it through the butter and like a bit, like a decent amount of salt. And then I put yeah. a cup and a half of the arborea rice and tossed it all through so it was sort of all covered. Mm. Poured like, oh, no, about a, three cups of chicken stock and put the chicken on top. Covered it in foil and left it in the yard. But I really did because I had to drive all the way out to school. Of course, a part way to school, I got the message that, oh, there is no athletics training today. It's actually the day before. Oops, the daisy. So the whole thing was pointless anyway. But by the time we got home, it was completely cooked. It wasn't a risotto. Mm. It was much more... Like when you use risoni. Starchy, like, but I ah. it, was, it was almost like a congee type oh, of... okay, right. Ricey, st- and delicious. so... So delicious. And you'll never be able to do that again. Never again. (laughs) It was absolutely fantastic. Oh, that's right. I chopped up some caps. I chucked a capsicum in there as well. And, um, yeah, it was beautiful. (laughs) 
I reckon oh, I could do it, it again. I reckon, like, I've got a sense of, but you know when you've got all the sort of the yes, flavour experience yes. sort of thing in your head and I was like, when I got home, I was like, took the foil off it and um, cranked it up a little bit to sort of just caramelise and crispiness. Oh, it was good. good. Oh, yum. That does sound very good and very Accidental. easy. But I love stuff you can just shove in the oven, go away for an hour or so and then come back. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need that a couple of nights a week for that soccer and can recommend. client nights and things so, like that. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Accidentally. Um, and you, what's your wow. best thing? You're on the challenge. I'm on the recipe tin challenge, um, which I am loving. It really is actually um, doing what I wanted it to do, which is trying to get me out of my cooking rut um, and out of boredom and start getting interested again in cooking and thinking through stuff. Um, we've had some great stuff this week. We had the biryani, which was delicious. Um, last night did garlic prawns. Oh, um, yeah, so yeah. good. And it was really, like, really quick, like yeah. super duper. But the biryani was a little bit fiddly for a Monday night, if I'm honest, especially because I couldn't find fried shallots anywhere. But I had some shallots because of the time I couldn't do the beef wellington. Oh, yeah. And so I made my own. I looked up a recipe for fried shallots. But, again, that's a sign that I'm getting out of my rut. Yeah, because right? like, you wouldn't have done that. No, I would have been like, eh, too hard, I'm not making yep. that. I'll just make a spag bowl. Yep. Um, so that was very, that was that was delicious. Um but the best thing I've eaten this week is actually on the long like on the long weekend. Um, went out for a friend's birthday and I had this um, oh. duck. I think it was. I think they said it was air dried um, duck breasty thing, and it was delicious. Um, and oh. it was on a little bed. Oh, I can't remember what it was on. Oh no, it had um, some celeriac puree with it, and I yes. remember. You at least probably at least a year ago. Um, one of the best things I've ever eaten. Like if I ever am on like an off-menu podcast, James, um, where they ask listening. you like your best ever meals, this would be on that. It was a we went to a French restaurant and it was a roasted celeriac. Oh, was that Lulu? At Lulu? Yes. Oh my goodness! And I was like, "What is this thing I'm eating? This is delicious." And I've never quite been able to figure out like what the what it was, what the flavor was, what the flavor was. I thought it was like the celeriac was this, and then there's this puree thing. But this dish had celeriac puree on it and actually flavor. I think the flavour is actually yes. the flavour of celeriac puree. Yes, yes, yes. So, again, another sign that I'm getting out of my rut, I went and bought a celeriac the other day. And I'm gonna, I haven't played around with it yet, it's just sitting in the fridge, but I plan to roast some and to puree some and to try to see if I can get recreate this, that flavor. recreate that flavour, which is something I'd never taste in any yeah, other yeah, yeah. thing and was totally delicious yum. so oh. the best dish was that duck yes. I think um it was really yummy I didn't cook it myself hooray always um good. but oh that night that celeriac the original celeriac night was also the night we were trying to work out the flavor on those oh, those chips pommes frites oh, yes oh we feel maybe fennel bit of yeah, fennel, salt, bit of fennel delicious. definitely some cumin it was oh, really really yum. good we should do that again so yeah again i've had a nice time of being able to eat out a little bit recently which is not i don't often have yes. opportunity to eat out but there's been a little bit more recently it's been great including through the we out which is what we are going to talk a little bit about today yes we had some nice little nice nibbles before seeing ed gamble <laughs> on sunday night um we had the burrata yes. That was lovely, squid, wasn't and it? And that was delicious. And that lovely flatbread. Oh, yeah, garlic and oil and deliciousness. So a good food week all round. Mm -hmm. And what we wanted to talk about today is as non-diet dietitians, what do we say when someone asks you, 
what do you do? And what do you say when perhaps you're sitting front row at a comedy show? Meg, As a comedian asked. <laughs> because for some reason perhaps maybe I had a small outburst perhaps oh, and drew the so attention of said comedian at Gamble towards myself. <laughs> So it was my fault that we were sitting front row because I was like, it'll be fine, don't worry about it. We're like, it'll be fine. We're not right in the middle. We're kind of off to the side in the front <laughs> row because we somehow ended up in the fast lane and ended up um, getting in the like room we really, really early. Desperate fans. And um, I'm not one who goes to comedy shows often, so I kind of was forgetting that there's genuine audience participation. Audience participation, often not um, chosen by the audience to be participating yeah so first thing comes out and he starts chatting to a guy in the front row and he asks him what do you do and the guy's like I'm a nurse and he sort of you could see immediately as like well I can't pick on that can't pick on you can't thanks on for you. your service um but the person sitting next to you is what's, what's your, your name, name? <laughs> and so when you say Susan and you see like a little flame of a inner glow warm up in the comedian's eyes because it's such a stereotypical 70s mum name um and then he says what do you do and Susan except we don't want to tick the explicit box for this podcast I went, went oh, oh fudge definitely but not definitely fudge, said fudge. <laughs> and I which said, was not the reaction I was expecting <laughs> yeah and then I said, I'm a dietitian. And he just it was gleeful. That, <laughs> the inner glow became like a full flame. <laughs> I can really tease you. He went, aha. So that's why you're so miserable because you steal the joy from people's lives or something like that, something along those lines. To which I said, I'm not, not that, that type of dietitian. dietitian. And uh, I said, well, yes. what type of dietitian are you? Susan. Susan. <laughs> <laughs> and I said a non-diet dietitian, by which stage he had sort of been walking away across and he pivoted. He turned on his heel and said, what the fudge? He's <laughs> a non-diet dietitian. Do you what mean do you you're mean just a that? bad dietitian? <laughs> and uh yeah anyway <sighs> so, so it got us thinking about how um, hard it is how hard it is to explain what it is we do and what it is that we don't do um and why is it so hard um and a lot of that is because of basically historically um dietitians have wanted to position, position themselves as uh, the, the food police as the experts the food police the people who tell you what you should and shouldn't do and judge you when you don't eat well, if you think of most dietitians who are on sort of your Today shows and your sunrises, um, it's very much about what should we not be eating this winter. And if you Google dietitian, you will see women in white coats in front of a cornucopia basket of vegetables. <laughs> laughing or with holding, salad. <laughs> holding a basket of fresh produce. Or, yes, laughing at salad. Um, so the, the image of dietitians very much reinforces and is reinforced by um, the the idea that we are the weight loss practitioners um, of the world. Yeah, and then later in Ed's um, 
show he <laughs> does a bit about a like a buffet breakfast and he's like so Susan how many calories is in this breakfast and I was shrugged shrugged <laughs> put my hands in the so, air I don't know I don't know and I'm not judging you for eating a breakfast yeah <laughs> especially if you're um pretending at that moment to be a French pastry <laughs> speaking in a French accent um yeah, so, you know, it was fine. It was fine. But, you know, we understand why people think um, that about dietitians. And, you know, when in social, like in social things or even when you're meeting other health professionals, um, we feel like as non-diet dietitians, we do need that disclaimer of I'm not a food place dietitian. I'm not. And like you said, often we'll go straight to the description of Oh, I'm an eating disorder dietitian. Mm, which is not really exactly right because I would no. think to people who don't have eating disorders, fussy yes, eating exactly. kids, people with disability. Like there's, it's absolutely not all that we do, but it does stop people going, oh, you're judging what I'm eating or, oh, I need to see you yes. or, oh, like just all those sort of stereotypical that, you know, we're going to be able to help yeah. change their body size or make them healthier. Yeah. Um, but in, there is that, I think, not only is it sort of, it, it can be a bit hard to, in a nutshell, mm. like a shortcut describe what we do. I think it's also something that is a, perhaps a barrier to people seeking out support from a dietitian when they're struggling with their like mm. relationship with food. Like it isn't maybe someone's first thought that I should speak to a dietitian um because of that idea of well the the stereotype of what does mm. what do dietitians do um and you know i guess how does like well, how would you describe the difference um that might happen in in the room what would be different for somebody if they're yeah seeking out like work with a well seeking to work with a non-diet dietitian perhaps mm. from what they might expect a dietitian does yeah and I think the other flip side of that is what people who come expecting you to be a traditional oh yeah dietitian who is going to be potentially judgy or Or prescriptive prescriptive um and then you know I remember so clearly I had a um some parents come in they're being referred by the pediatrician about weight concerns for their daughter who I think was about 12 or 13 at the time um and I always um recommend that the first session at least um, in that age group is just with parents so we can talk really openly um, without any concerns being interpreted as judgment by the child Um, and literally the posture walking in expecting Mm. a scolding walking in expecting a judging walking in expecting um, a really negative awful um, experience and then as you're able to explain what you do and what you don't do and, can, you know, the complexities of weight concern and how we need to look at the, after the whole person, just seeing the shoulders come down and mm. relax and the head come up um, and that engagement level yeah. increase yeah. Um, because they were expecting to be told all the things they're doing wrong. Yep. Yeah. And why it's their fault and everything's terrible. Yeah. Um, they have to go and fix it um, rather than actually being heard and listened to and supported yes. um, in supporting their child. Yeah. Oh, that, that so puts me in mind of um, I remember a couple coming to me and the husband had been 
recently diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and they'd been sent to the dietitian. Mm. And again, they, they, they arrived with that expectation of, they actually said, we thought we were going to get in trouble. And I <laughs> oh, could well, not believe. Two adults. Why would you go? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, far out. But anyway, you know, like, and they were like, the the wife was, she, he, he had this like quite, like like pretty intense business and she was um she was like running our home and doing all that sort of behind the scenes and you know like they were she was particularly so so concerned to tell me like all of the things that they yeah. were doing right and like they grew their own food and they made everything from scratch it turned out he had like two hours sleep a night oh had nothing to do with food at all. Um, just the stress. But yeah, level. you know, like the just like insulin resistance and all that sort of underlying stuff. But yeah, I couldn't believe like this idea of because I think they said, "Oh, we did not expect this at all." Mm. So it was a real exploration in. Okay, so tell me about life. Um, you know, like all the way. You know, well, what else is going on? What's your work like? What's your sleep like? What's this like? What's that like? Tell me about the day you know, tell me about food, you know, what's your history, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, they were like, this is not what we expected. Mm. I was like, what did you expect? Well, we thought we were going to get in trouble. Yeah, wow. (laughs) And then I think there's the other people who expect or want the meal plan, want the prescriptive thing. Yes. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me what I need to do. And, you know, often it can be like a bit of a slow burn or a bit of a gradual progression towards, well, what's going to happen if I do that? Yeah. Uh, if I do give you a, you know, a diet, go and eat this, well, what's going to happen on yeah. Saturday? What's going to happen? How is this going to be different to what you've tried before? Else. Or, yeah. Because um, there is that thing sometimes where people will go, I've done everything. You're my last hope. Mm. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, that somehow maybe a dietitian might have some magical Mm. inside info um, that isn't available in a, you know, healthy food guide magazine from the supermarket. It's probably not $4.95 anymore. But, um, yeah, you know, like a meal plan and a, you know, like a calorie restricted diet is a meal plan and a calorie restricted diet wherever it comes from, whether it's, yeah. you know, from a, like a supermarket magazine or from a degree qualified dietitian. Yeah. Um, they're, they're the and same. so often it's not a education slash information deficit. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah. So it was funny. I'm um, talking to um, my husband started a new job recently and so it's you know telling people oh what does your wife do oh, she's a dietitian um it's so, oh the media assumption oh so she tells people what they should eat um and he's like well no like tell like do you, you know like sort of what yes. is you know associated with you know healthy outcome, like what what what, what should in better call, what should you be eating? they're like oh yeah we all know that <laughs> like we all know eat plenty of fruits and vegetables and yes. balance and all these sort of terms that sort of Variety fly around. And moderation. All of that. Yeah. Um, if that's all it was, we there would no, not be dietitians. We would be not required. Yes. Um, if it was just about giving information because you can get information anywhere. But if you can get actually an understanding of what drives your choices, what yeah. drives your behaviours, what your actual barriers are what your food values are all of these I, I sorts guess too, of things I'm like what has maybe separated you from that yes you know absolutely you know if like rather that, than it just being willpower oh. oh gosh yes you know like 
Um, you know, how long has there been like a bit of a tenuous relationship with food and body and like where did that start and where did you first hear those things? So I guess this is sort of, I guess, talking about like what do we, what would we do in the room as such and what could people expect if they were to work with a non-diet dietitian and um, it's not that nutrition doesn't ever enter the conversation. Yeah, so like check your nutrition degree yeah, at all. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, we use our medical nutrition therapy skills. Yeah, that's right, we do. Um, but only when it's actually useful and necessary um, mm. and don't, and maybe like it's sort of not what we lead with but trying to work out, you know, what the what the story for this person actually is, you know, what matters to them. Um, you know, what's the current way that, you know, food is, you know, a hassle for them? How's it, you know, how's that showing up? Mm. What does it cost? Yeah. You know, what's it stopping them doing? Um, how would they like things to be? Yeah. Um, and then we might be able to um, identify areas where we can help with skill development, whether it be reconnection with um, appetite cues or some understanding of the way they feel with different foods, Um of course, if there are particular medical uh, conditions that have a really, you know, we have a good understanding of sort of a diet disease relationship, mm. well, then with an understanding of all that other stuff, um, we can look at some different strategies individually yeah. for addressing those yeah. from that really the difference is often the root that that behaviour comes from. So generally people will expect it to be like a real control, judging, well, I've got to do this, a bit of a white knuckling, and we would really like to shift it to this root that's rooted in self-care um, and yep. in values-aligned eating, um, with, depending on where their values around health and managing their conditions are, in the context of their own capacity and then building that capacity. So people... You know, that's where information is useful. Mm. So here is this information. These are strategies or tactics or like foods or nutrients or whatever that may be more or less useful, um, more or less health enhancing. How would you how would you put this into practice? How would you make these changes in a way that's actually supportive, that's sustainable? That's enjoyable. Um, so, you know, it's really, like you say, grounded in self-care, self-compassion, um, and, and there's an element of choice. Mm. So, you know, not doing it for the approval of the dietitian, not doing it because the dietitian thinks it's a good idea, but that you're making changes from, a, I guess, a place of like having a really good understanding of yourself, your history, and, you know, what's going to be um, beneficial for you. Yeah. So if you're a dietitian listening to us and you're sort of trying to think of your elevator pitch um, or how <laughs> how can, you know, if you get put on the spot, what do you do um, for a living? It is helpful to think through that. I've had different iterations in time. Obviously, in a comedy show, when your brain goes blank anyway, is oh. probably not a place you're going to come up with anything <laughs> and it's not about you. Um, but in general, it can be really helpful to think about that. Um, something that I talk about quite a lot is um, – I, you know, try to operate in the space if there's a problem between someone and their relationship with food, which is impacting on their health and well-being, we try to hang out in that space um, and help people improve their relationship with food and therefore improve usually their dietary quality yeah. as well. Um, if I don't want to just talk about the eating disorders side of things, um, it can be really tricky because uh, it is really nuanced um, and undoing people's assumptions 
um, takes longer than 10 yeah. seconds. It really does. <laughs> it really does. And, you know, like at a comedy show saying you're an eating disorder <laughs> dietitian when the, comedian, kills the, mood. <laughs> the comedian has just decided he can't pick on a nurse, probably doesn't do much for his bit. Um, oh. But, yeah. Like oh, it got me a lot of amusement though. <laughs> <laughs> the whole show. Sorry, Sorry Susan. Susan. <laughs> I'm going to get a T-shirt made for Sorry, that. Susan. Ed Gamble. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like if you're not a dietitian and you're listening to this and you're listening to this from the point of view of, yeah, you know, me and food, uh, somehow we're not friends anymore. Um, and you're wondering who might be a help, um, looking out for a non-diet dietitian. And if you think you want to get in deeper to that, um, and, you know, maybe seeing a dietitian is not something you're ready for one-on-one, but you want to do a bit of the groundwork before then. Um, we're also coming up to announcing uh, the launch of our short course. Um, looking like it's probably launch date around 27th June, of... July. I can't remember Hello. when we started. I, I think, think it's September 3rd. July. July. Yeah. We're doing, <laughs> we're doing discussions around during term, during holidays. What works for people? So if you're listening to this and you hear us say 27th of July and you're like, Meg and Susan, that's terrible. That is the worst possible date you could possibly – please let us know. Because um, we haven't but, put anything in motion yet. <laughs> but, yes, we've been talking about our course. We have our content written. We're going to do it. It's going to be across four modules and it's going to be that real groundwork of understanding relationship with food and, you know, how, it gets, how it's been disrupted and how to bring it back into some sort of repair um but yeah we haven't we haven't pushed this space so So hop on our mailing list um or follow our socials yeah and susan which is probably how you found this podcast anyway um and yeah there'll be more updates coming out about that in the near future but if we never put a date to it we'll never do it that's right exactly (laughs) we both love a deadline so at this point 27th of july looks like will be um our launch date which means the weeks leading into that you'll probably see a lot more of us clowning around on social media (laughs) actually it'll probably be me (laughs) as we are as you're you're much better at that (laughs) it's not meg's favorite place social media so it'll probably be me um but yeah so if you want to know for sure um, like Meg said, get on our uh, mailing list. You can sign up at our website, which is uh, www.megandsusan.co. Um, but, yeah, thanks for listening to our latest Ramble. little chat. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs>